Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with the president of the largest labor union and advocate group for quality public schools. With more than three million public school employees, he's the fearless leader of the NEA, National Education Association. Welcome, Dennis Van Rokel. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. Uh, Dennis, I guess a good first question is you here being Harvard. Why are you here today? I consider it a real opportunity uh, just to talk about not only what we're doing, but to engage and learn from a whole lot of incredible people about their thoughts, about education and what's prominent in their mind, what they hear, what they ask. It's really just the brief time I've been here so far, I've loved it. And you're talking both at the Kennedy School and at the Education School. Is, is it a different talk to those two different constituencies? No, not really. Um, I think whether, regardless, I'm here to talk about education and obviously my organization's role in that. I think it's a very important role that the actual practitioners who are there every single day get their voice into this conversation because education is one that's being talked about nationwide a lot. And I think it's real critical, this crossroads we're approaching as to which way do we want to go for public education in the 21st century. I'm curious, the NEA has done some great, great work. Uh, what would you like your, your legacy to be as the president of the NEA? Uh, what, is, what do you hope that people remember you and the NEA and your time there for? Well, you know, I... And that's I, a loaded question. Yeah. I grew up in a very small town in Iowa, and I decided in seventh grade I was going to be a teacher. And I decided then I'd be a math teacher. And for 23 years, I got to live that dream. So for me, the profession of teaching has always been one that I've looked up to and honored. And in all my time as a president and a leader in the National Education Association, I've really tried to, to move that agenda. I think right now there's too much deprofessionalization. I think there's too much of blame and finger pointing. And I just want to make sure that when I leave, people remember me as someone who advocated for the people who are there every single day in classrooms all across this country from pre-K K to graduate, and what they give to this nation every single day, and I want to be a real voice for that. Will there ever be a time when the sort of, it seems like in the education reform dialogue, there's always name pointing and people blaming unions and blaming this and blaming that. Is that, is that ever going to end? And what are the best ways to lead that conversation more towards something more productive? Well, one of the things I think would, that helps is when we get back, instead of arguing over the how questions about activities or tactics, that we come back and we ask some real fundamental questions like, what do you believe the purpose of public education in America is in the 21st century? Much of what we have right now was designed and envisioned back 50 years ago. It was an agrarian society. We needed to educate a few for college. We wanted post-secondary training for a few more and uh, just basics for all. I think the 21st century is a very different place and we have to ask ourselves, what do we want it to accomplish? It's really hard to judge whether a road you're going down is the right one or the wrong one if you don't even know where you're going. So that, I think that's how you bring people together. Talk about that purpose question. What do you want it to accomplish in this 21st century? Back to the profession, how are you, how are you seeing with so many new ed tech startups beginning? How, how are you seeing technology affecting both the nature of education and the, the role of the teacher, looking at Khan Academy and other things like that? Well, number one, it's not going away. It's going to all just keep getting more. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, blending the classroom, using both technology with teachers. 
I think it's a big step to say we can move totally to technology. I worry about equity questions and access, and those that have opportunity then will get it and others will be denied. So there are many things that we have to seriously consider. And when we, for me, the real basic question is equity. We really do have to live up to our ideals that every child in America deserves a public education, that they ought to have their shot at following their dream. Um, <clears throat> for a kid who grew up in a small town in the Midwest, to have a dream that I actually got to live for 23 years, that's really powerful to me. It's important to me. And I think today and in this time, there are just too many kids who are being left without a hope or a dream, and they don't see any way up and out. And the, the power of the American dream was that if you worked hard and you applied yourself and you were flexible, you could achieve what you wanted to do. I want that to be alive and well. We talked about living your dream, and that's obviously for you being a math teacher. Um, what is what is it that we have to do in our country to make more people leaving college, more of their dream, living their dream, becoming the teacher in the teaching profession? I think we have to look at the profession itself. Um, I think what right now one of the things we have to do is to change what it takes to get into teaching. I believe we need to raise that bar, and at the same time look at the whole compensation system to make sure we're recruiting and retaining the people we will need over the next 10 years. Department of Education estimates we'll need 1.6 million teachers in the next 10 years, 160,000 a year, and we have to be able to compete with all of those professions that require a similar background training and education. So we're going to have to look at that. And as we take care of the issue of making sure we have a compensation system that matches what we the needs of the future, then we have to build a respect for what happens when they're there. We have to focus on the professional practice. Um, I believe that from day one there ought to be a good evaluation system that gives good feedback so I can, from day one till the last day I'm there, improve my practice. So evaluation tied to professional development. I don't think your job of getting better in your professional practice as a teacher is ever over. It's an everyday thing. I'm curious, in your position of great influence, who are your thought partners? Where, where do you go for innovative thinking, or who do you speak to, to to allow for that collaboration to enact change? One of the things I believe in is that to, in today's world, too many people only talk to those that agree with them, and it makes your world very small. I've made a real conscious effort to reach out to people that we don't agree with on every issue, but to find that common belief or value stream that we can work together on, I think that's critical in today's age and I think that's how we get past the blame mode too. Get people around the table and say, let's work as hard to find something that we agree on can work together as we, as to work as hard on that as we do fighting each other on ideas. That's crazy. Um, education and our future generation is just way too important to waste our time, energy, and resources by fighting competing ideas rather than taking that time and energy and resources to find something that we all can agree that will work and be right for students. What are your thoughts on the general, in some people's opinion, the, the negative perception towards teachers' unions in terms of the education reform debate? I mean, is the media not covering everything? Are they skewing? Uh, what should be talked about that we're not talking about? I think what we... Uh, I hope that we, what, we, what we will do is honestly look at the unions and what are they doing and they're advocating. Uh, the agenda that I'm advocating for NEA is one that's not new for me and it's not new for NEA, but to really advocate for, first of all, the new generation of professionals coming in. Secondly, really looking at building the profession and the professional practice. I think we've always been about that. 
We've been too slow in action, I think. We didn't lead, and we're going to change that. We have to do more in leading to what's right instead of only pointing fingers at what's wrong. And that's our responsibility, just as it is with every other part of the system. You can't solve the problems of a system unless you take the people who are in it and work together. I'm a strong believer in collaboration. Every place I've seen where there's been real success, it's when people can sit down. In the case of K-12, it's management, the school board, and the employees in their union to say, what are we going to do together to change what's happening to kids? And in the bigger system of public education, policymakers, people who work in that system, they all have to sit down together. I think I just saw right before I came over here the NEA's Twitter stream that uh, is Kelly Ripa going to be honoring some teachers on, on her show at some point. I mean, what are you most excited about in terms of what the NEA is doing in terms of innovative ways to recognize teachers moving forward? Well, there, I just did my own little recording. Uh, Parents Magazine is also doing one where they're videotaping people in a, in a brief time Talk about the teacher you remember, the one that made a difference in your life. I think that really helps because everyone in America has that name in their head. If you ask anyone, name the one person that you had as a teacher that made a difference. Um, they all have one. And I think by putting that out, we kind of change the perception of the profession. We honor more about that process of education and what it can lead to. Uh, last question and probably the most important question. 23 years as a math teacher. How did you get your students to memorize the quadratic equation? <laughs> Not only did I ask them to memorize it, I wanted them to be able to develop, a, develop the quadratic by completing the square. So that was good. Um, you know, I think one of the things that helped me in my role as uh, president of NEA was being a math teacher. It's pretty hard to get students motivated right after lunch in a math class. So I use all of those same techniques in getting people excited about education in the future. And the NEA is definitely going to be part of that. Anderson Rogo, thank you so much for appearing on the EdCast and good luck the rest of your day on this beautiful day at Harvard. Thank you, Matt. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.